Welcome to Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett. I'm super excited to talk with one of my fellow podcasters. So today I want to welcome Harper W. Harris. Thanks for coming, Harper. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to chat. Uh, not about a, a specific minute of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it almost feels unnatural um, (laughs) (laughs) to have free-form conversation and not say, now let's get back to this minute. So yeah, so Harper and I met through the Movies by Minutes podcast group, which I imagine you may meet some other of those podcasters along the way here, because I've made a lot of friends through doing um, Cabin Minute Cast and... Spinal Tap Minute, and then Harper had his own that I loved. Yeah, Harper, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself, let people know maybe about that podcast, and then a little bit just about your background and and what you're up to, what you're all about. Sure. So um, as far as the podcast goes, that one was uh, The Thing Minute, which, um, you know, I I was far from the first to do that there. I think now probably about 100 Movies by Minutes podcasts. And uh, I I started mine last year on uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. So spent, uh, you know, about nine months or so digging into uh, digging into that. One of my favorite movies, kind of uh, one minute at a time with a bunch of awesome guests like you. So yeah, that, that was kind of a recent project that I guess came to a close. But in general, I'm an audio engineer, but more specifically, I do uh, production audio. So recording audio on set, either by myself as you know running the recording and doing the boom operating and all that stuff, or as part of a team, either, either as a boom operator or a, a sound mixer. I kind of split my time between doing that and doing more post-production stuff. So editing and mixing short films and uh, recently some features. Uh, a lot of podcast work. That's funny. I kind of got into podcasting more deeply through, um, you know, from the other side of it, being an editor and then being like, oh, this this seems like a lot of fun. I should be doing this more often. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've kind of split my time 50-50 between uh, production and post-production and um, for all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I, I, can, I can get deeper into, uh, you know, how I got into that as, as we go if we if we want to. But that's that's the gist. Cool. Yeah. And and I know um, as of our recording fairly recently, I think you did a kind of an overhaul of your website and I'm checking it out. It looks really nice. And and I like how, how clean it is. And I just kind of, it took me a moment to realize that just slow on my end that your logo has your name, your, you know, HWH in it. I like how uh, easy it is to navigate. And yeah, that you under podcasts, you wrote, I am always looking for new and established podcasts to work on. Contact me today and together we can make your podcast sound great. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't even know that was something you were interested in doing or that you have done with folks. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Podcasters need all the help they can get. So I, I totally sympathize. Uh, and, and yeah, and, 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 you know, that's not like a marketing ploy on my website. Like, I really mean that. I love working on, working on podcasts is one of my favorite things, uh, just as, I mean, A, from a business perspective, it's a consistent piece of work, which is always awesome and appreciated. It's really, it's an interesting thing just to be able to edit and work, work on the technical side of something that, you know, I might have an interest in the actual subject matter too. So it's, it's kind of fun to be working and kind of learning at the same time. Yeah, so that brings up something that I like to talk about with folks, which is it sounds like your creative endeavors give you a combination of opportunities to work 
collaborating with others? I mean, I guess they're all probably collaborations in a way, but some of them may be more on a day-to-day basis. You're working with a team and then on some of your post-production is maybe you, I don't know, sitting at home in front of your computer or, you know, what's it like to do all those different things? And are you drawn to certain projects over other ones, like collaborating, going to a location versus maybe doing something a little more isolated? That's a really, really good question. It's a big one. Um, And it's, I'm glad you asked that because I've actually, it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently and that, you know, when I first kind of like when I was in school and trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do, it was always like, I want to be a filmmaker, like I want to be a director or an editor, like I want to be the person like telling the story. And gradually that's kind of changed in a way and that I've kind of been thinking about recently that I, I don't really do a lot of stuff that's kind of my personal vision from start to finish, for better or for worse. And it's interesting because I've found that uh, the collaboration process has been really rewarding in most cases. Um, it's something that I really enjoy doing that because it's I mean, A, it kind of takes some of the pressure off because, you know, I think a lot of creatives and especially people in media are really, really hard on themselves and are kind of their toughest critic and stuff. And I, I find that I get really frustrated sometimes working on something that's totally my own and that I, I really want to do something in a specific way. And if it's if I can't accomplish it by myself in that way, it gets really frustrating and I sometimes end up dropping it or, or delaying or you know putting off working on it. But working with somebody else, it's weird because it's like this whole thing where the project is bigger than both of you. And so there's like something motivating both of you to work and you're kind of looking over each other's shoulders. And so you're always kind of motivated to work on stuff, which is really interesting and exciting sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've found most interesting and also is sometimes most challenging about the kind of work I do in that I've, it's a it's a habit I'm trying to get into, particularly in working in post-production when I'm doing kind of sound design work and stuff is uh, not getting attached to the work I'm doing because it's in most senses of the word, it's not my work. It's, it's, I'm doing something for somebody else's movie or somebody else's podcast. And so it's hard. That's the biggest challenge I've probably had recently is like when somebody comes back and they're like, Oh, this is cool. But can you turn that like all the way down? (laughs) Right. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. I, you know, I I spent a lot of time on that, but that's okay. (laughs) That's one of those things where, you know, I'm trying to learn to be less personally attached to it because that that kind of work anyways, just because it's, uh, you know, it's not mine. You're kind of working towards somebody else's vision and it's sometimes it's a, it's a challenge to kind of work in that realm. I guess working in isolation versus working with a group, that's kind of why I've stuck with, uh, with splitting my time between production and post-production because I really enjoy both. And in the sense of production, it's super exciting to be on set and you're working with, even if it's a small crew, you're still working with at least five or six other people um, and usually many more than that. And it's incredibly exciting to me to be on a set and you have all of these people who all have very specific skills and they're all putting those skills to use to capture this very, very specific thing. Like we're shooting this one scene, we've got to get these three lines of dialogue the camera has to move at the right moment. The boom has to follow and not get in the way. And there's just so many moving parts. Working in production has taught me that like, it boggles my mind that any movie has ever been made. <laughs> just that there's so many things that can go wrong and so many variables and things like that. So it's it's super thrilling and and uh, and satisfying to work on a set when everybody works really well together and, and that kind of pays off. But it's also very exhausting. Production work is really physically demanding just because you're working usually at least 12 hour days and you're on your feet all day. And, you know, in, in my case, I'm holding a, you know, boom above my head for most of that time. So right. it's uh, it can be really physically demanding as, as satisfying as it is. So it's nice to be able to kind of 
go back and forth between doing that and doing something where I'm mostly working from home or occasionally in like a local studio and doing stuff that's a little bit more um, creative in the more traditional sense of the word. The production stuff is, I feel like is more like a craftsmanship kind of thing. Like I, I know what to do and this is how I do it. But the post-production, there's a little bit more creativity involved in trying to figure out let's let's see how we can accomplish this tone or this feeling or tell this story. So it's it's interesting. It's as closely related as those two things are. I find them to be really really different. I feel like my work in both benefits from doing the other side of it. So, uh, you know, it's something I hope I don't have to like make a definitive decision to do one or the other at some point anytime because I I really do enjoy moving back and forth. Yeah, no, that's uh, super well put and really interesting and and I think that's something that I find with people who I identify them as the multi-creative is that they don't want to choose one thing that almost feels painful in a way just to think of having to do one thing. And you well describe what it's like to work with a group. And I think both of those, um, when you said not attached to the outcome, like both of those types of creative endeavors, you know, working on somebody else's project and then working on your own project can both benefit from that. Because even though your own project, you may have a little more creative control, there's also the unexpected things that happen that bring out something new that you never imagined. I, I really like to do that too. I like to work on my own and I like to work in groups and and then I like to spend some time by myself doing the deep work. And to me, it's always a matter of trying to figure out how to sort of balance all of those out. And it's always sort of a moving target. It's never <laughs> perfect. It's not like on Mondays, I do this. On Tuesdays, I do that. And on Wednesdays. But yeah, I'm curious how you spend time when you're not paid by someone else. What do you like to do? Sure. Um, yeah. And that's that's actually a really pertinent question because um, I'm actually kind of just coming out of a, my first big lull as a freelancer. Um, April was like a really difficult month for me. I just had a, just all of a sudden I had a lot less work come my way. It was it was interesting because I've only been doing freelancing full time for a little over a year now. And um, I was really pleasantly surprised at how when I first started I spent, you know, my, maybe my first month and a half or two months working really hard to kind of market myself and find new clients and find people to work with and just putting myself out there. And then from there, it kind of just grew on its own. I didn't really have to do a whole lot. And not that long ago, back towards the end of March, I was suddenly like, oh, I may have to start emailing, doing cold cold call emails again right. and trying to find people. And it was, it kind of shocked me a little bit just because I hadn't really had that happen yet. And, um, and I knew that, you know, becoming a full-time freelancer is something you're obviously hopefully aware of is that, you know, that, that does happen from time to time and you just kind of have to be prepared for it. Yeah. So I was really struggling and I, and I had a, I, it was, it was kind of depressing to not, you know, have something to do at least three or four days a week, which was kind of normal up until that point. It's interesting because it really made me realize that doing the thing minute podcast was really my first answer to that. When that kind of first, when I first started is like trying to fill that time with something creative and interesting to me that, so I wouldn't get kind of depressed. <laughs> and so I've just last month, I found myself all of a sudden, like having all these ideas for kind of personal projects or podcasts or different things like that. I was like, Oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And it's like, you know, just a few months before that, I, I would have never dreamed like, I, I, there's no way I'd have time to do you know, start a new podcast or something like right. that. But, so it's kind of interesting. And I've the kind of realization that I'm coming to is that on top of your kind of regular freelance work, I feel like it's really beneficial to have free flowing, ongoing project like a podcast or something like that, that you could kind of invest yourself in so that it's work, but it's not work work, you know? 
so it's it's something to kind of invest yourself in when you've got that downtime and I'm I'm kind of looking for the next thing to do and luckily my my paid work has really picked back up this month but um I'm still thinking about what that next kind of personal project ought to be so that I have something when I've got that downtime because yeah it's it's hard to go from that mode where you're like it's it's that kind of when it rains it pours thing is I I found to be very very true of freelancing where it, when I'm working like I have too much to handle sometimes almost and it's every day is like I'm waking up okay I've got to figure out what's highest priorities that I can get done today like I've got to knock a bunch of this stuff out before the end of the week and then all of a sudden it kind of drops out and there's nothing for you know weeks and then it's like I forgot what this is like I have to move back into this mode of you know kind of marketing and and researching and find finding new new uh, sources of income and things like that. That's it's kind of an interesting thing being a freelancer having to do that. I mean obviously, you know, you're working for yourself and you're your own cheerleader and boss and everything else and so, you know, you kind of have to change those hats and it's uh it's interesting when you suddenly have to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I've definitely found that over the last 5 years of working as a coach as that and I definitely had some times of fairly deep depression. And, you know, it's hard to market yourself when you're feeling depressed. True. Yeah, very true. So, yeah, podcasting, uh, listening to podcasts in the beginning, that was one of my, you know, saviors was having these clever and funny people in my ears. But also, I realized it helped me keep my brain working. And then working on a podcast, I realized, oh my gosh, this hits so many things. Like I like having conversations with folks. I like um, sharing interesting content. And also it kind of keeps my brain working on a bunch of different creative levels. And then I'm meeting new people and new people are finding out about me and, you know, all my creative projects. So it was also, you know, working as a marketing tool for me. And um, on the project like you and I did, the Movies by Minute project, once you commit to that, you know, you're in production mode all the time. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So it really helps you learn. For me, it was very useful to help me learn how to keep a project going, even on those days where I wasn't feeling so great. Or, you know, just your down days, or maybe you're not feeling as creative or uh, just how to produce anyways, you know, how to kind of push past that, which I felt like was really, really valuable. And yeah, was a great thing to do creatively in between working on my own business. So yeah, I totally get that. And what about other stuff? Do you like to travel or go out into nature? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the, the big one that's been kind of the longest running thing in my life is is comic books. I have, I've had a toward love affair with comic books for quite a long time. Um, and so that's something that, uh, you know, I, I pick up new books every week and I, I do. So I read a lot, a lot of comics and I'm trying to read more books because I used to be an avid reader of books. And I've over the last couple of years, that habit is kind of Drops not because I didn't have interesting stuff to read, but because I was kind of bought, my reading time was all taken up with comics, um, and so I'm trying to to uh, even that balance out a little bit more. So I do a lot of reading. I don't know that I wouldn't say I'm a necessarily I'm somewhere in between. I guess a casual and a hardcore gamer somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. I do play a lot of video games, but not like I don't play a lot of like online stuff with friends or anything like that. And I kind of just pick something and stick with it for for a couple of months. So that that takes up a little little of my free time. And then, um, yeah, with my wife, we do do a lot of we try to travel as much as we can. We usually do a big trip around our anniversary in May. 
Um, we, we didn't get a chance to do this year, although she she went with my family or with my mom and sister. They took kind of a girl's trip to Greece and just got back recently. Oh, cool. But uh, we're thinking about trying to go to Scotland next year, which would be amazing. So, yeah, we try and do at least kind of one big trip and then a bunch of kind of little weekend trips to, uh, you know, either whether we're kind of going out to a cabin and spending some time outdoors or going to a new city for three or four days and exploring around there. So yeah, she's a, she, my wife is much more, I don't have anything against travel and I, I do enjoy it a lot, but she's, it would kill her not to, not to go somewhere new every, every couple of months. She's, uh, you know, really big into it. So that's, that's helped me get a little bit more um, open to, I, I'm definitely a homebody in, in a gotcha. lot of cases. I, lo- I love staying at home and reading a book and watching a movie, but when, uh, when I get dragged out somewhere, I'm always like, Oh yeah, this is amazing. Like I forget why I love this. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we do travel when we can too. That's cool. Yeah, my husband and I just flew down to LA for a few days and we didn't really have much of a plan, but we stayed at an Airbnb in Eagle Rock and just explored that area and, you know, had some great meals and went to a cool um, museum and and it was just really nice. Uh, And one thing I noticed in Eagle Rock was just that there were a lot of cactuses. So just taking in and area and seeing a little bit of different architecture and different um, plants, you know, local plants and things like to me, that was creatively inspiring. So how does the stuff that you do outside of work inspire? I'll just say what came to mind for me of like, oh, when you're playing your video games, like, are you paying, I I would imagine it'd be hard not to pay attention to the audio that's in the video games or (laughs) yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, obviously, the, the one I didn't mention was watching movies obsessively, which I've mm. always done. But, um, you know, in, in in all that kind of stuff, anything that involves audio, it, I'm definitely more and more kind of getting attuned to like, oh, wow, like the, somebody put a lot of work into this. So this, this is really good. Or like, oh, this is they could have done a lot more with this. <laughs> So yeah, it depends on the game, but yeah, it's it's funny. I keep thinking about. It. I've been playing uh, this game, The Witcher Three, recently for the last uh, month or so, and every time I'm playing that game, I'm like, oh wow, like the sounds of like the wind and the like trees, the the branches snapping when you walk on. I was like, wow, somebody, this is really really well done. Like this, you know, it really puts you in that space. So definitely, yeah, I definitely get inspired by that kind of stuff and, and watching movies all the time, but just kind of wondering how a certain sound was made. And I follow a lot of blogs and YouTube channels and, and podcasts where they kind of talk to the the folks that worked on the sound in, in movies and TV shows and stuff. That's one of my favorite things is just kind of learning how somebody accomplished or came up with the idea for some really interesting and unique sound mm. in, a, in a movie or something like that. And that's always been incredibly fascinating to me like you know the idea of foley somebody creating thunder out of a big sheet of metal or or, or you know a grown man walking in high heels in in a sandbox to try right. and recreate the footsteps. <laughs> it's so fascinating and fun and exciting to me I, so I, I i love watching that kind of stuff and of course that's big inspiration for finding new things for me to do too yeah i think it really expands your enjoyment of something Let's see, we rewatched The Last Emperor yesterday, and I was thinking, oh, I haven't seen this since maybe, I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago. Like, it just, I haven't watched it in a while. And, and I was really tuned in more to the soundtrack and then the 
I don't know, just, yeah, the tracking of the shots and the color, you know, the way that they use color to connect to the different characters and the emperor himself and his journey. And I don't know, it was just interesting to go, oh, this is great that I can go back to something now as an adult and as like a big film fan and having listened to, you know, a few different types of podcasts that are more industry-ish, like you just start to key into all the different things that go into filmmaking. And like you said, after you have been where you've been at, you just think, oh my gosh, how do these things even get made? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's so much that goes goes into them. And that's actually something that really moves me when I'm watching a film. Sometimes even whether it's something that I find is a masterpiece or something that I just find entertaining on a, even like a lighter level, sometimes I'm just moved by thinking about the people that went into making it and that they did it. And I'm like, happy for them. Like, oh my gosh, you got to make this. <laughs> I'm so stoked for you <laughs> that, that you got to like bring your vision, you know, whether it's Ed Wood level or something like Black Panther, which I, I just can't stop thinking about all the things that went into making that, so that film and all the levels of which I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I, it's something where um, being in the sound industry is kind of interesting because like a lot of the people I kind of look up to are, they're like enormously famous in my eyes, but to anybody else, like nobody would recognize these names. <laughs> they're, they're not like celebrities in any sense of the word, except to people like me, which is uh, to me, one of the things that's really exciting about working in in this industry uh, in sound is that I probably could get in contact with one of them if I wanted to. Like they, these people who have, you know, won, you know, a dozen Academy Awards show up on like these little rinky dink sound podcasts that I listen to just because, you know, they're not celebrities to, to themselves. Like, and the industry is really cool because uh, in a lot of, in most cases that I've come across, uh, people that work in sound for film are very, very open to kind of sharing their experiences. And, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like people are kind of holding onto their, tra- it's actually very different in, in music I've found mm. uh, for like audio people in music are very kind of secretive about their, their special techniques and things like that. But in movies, not at all. People are like excited to share that information and, and kind of pass it on. So that's something that's really cool. And that it's fun to feel like I'm in the same crowd with them and you get to kind of experience these huge big budget movies like through their eyes when they do these kind of videos and things. So I love that stuff. Oh, yeah, I love it, too. That That's cool. So um, for anybody who might be interested in these type of super nerdy specific <laughs> podcasts, what are a couple of them that sure, sure. Um, I mean, for people interested in, in like sound for movies specifically, uh, as far as podcasts go, Tone Benders is the one I've been listening to for the longest. They're really fantastic. It's a sound designing sound designers podcast. Um, maybe one that's a little bit more accessible for somebody who's not like working in the industry is um, 20,000 Hertz has recently become like one of my favorite shows. It's a sound podcast, but not like for necessarily sound professionals. Mm. It's all about um, like, have you ever listened to the show Criminal? Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of Criminal, except instead of these kind of short stories about like a real life crime story, it's more like they pick a, a famous sound or interesting story around sound and do an 15 or 20 minute episode about that. So they did one on like the voice of Siri and how that came about. Mm. They did one on like the earliest kind of video game sounds and how those were created. It's really, really fascinating. And they every time they come out with a new episode, I'm like, oh, wow, I would have never even thought about this. And it's such an interesting story. So that's that's one I can definitely recommend. Uh, Designing Sound is a really good website and YouTube channel that 
they did the kind of videos I was talking about where they're like in the studio with uh, with guys who are doing the mixes and sound design for like Star Wars and Shape of Water and all kinds of really cool movies. They do all these great kind of behind the scenes featurette videos that are fantastic. And I feel like there's one other, I feel like I'm missing a major podcast here. Uh, maybe not a podcast. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, Soundworks Collection yeah. is another really good podcast. They do... Uh, the big thing that they've done that I've kind of kept up with is every year when the Oscar nominees get announced, they do interviews with all of the re-recording mixers for all the um, all the movies that are nominated for sound, which is really always super, super fascinating. And just again, another example of like these guys who are nominated for Academy Awards and this podcast is able to speak to all of them yeah. every year. It's no problem. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I love all the niche opportunities that happen through podcasting that it's yeah it looms so large in my life you know i'm always every week i'm probably you know checking out one or two new podcasts whether i stick with them or not is a different story but when i think about learning this is the way for me to uh, to see a great documentary to listen to a podcast things that bring maybe history or information but are also entertaining or have you know great hosts and great engaging guests like that's how I learn best. And so combination of like YouTube channels that are informational and listening to podcasts and checking out great blogs and things like that. If I'd only, you know, been able to do that as a kid, not that I want to Time is what it is. <laughs> information <laughs> is where it's at. I'm glad that as an adult, I'm able to get this information because as a kid, just reading stuff and listening to a teacher who might not be so engaging. Right. It didn't make any of it stick. To me now, I just feel like I'm really learning a lot. And then I also get to be entertained. So it's just kind of like drunk history, you know, like right. people kind of right. chuckle when I say how much I learned from it, but I really do. And I think, it, you know, it makes me want to learn a little bit more about certain things in history that maybe I knew a different story from those old outdated history books that weren't really telling much, but drunk history really gives it to us in a goofy, but cool, cool yeah. way. No, it's, it's m totally mind boggling to me how much you can learn just with, you know, a laptop and a browser. Like, <laughs> like uh, yeah, I, I totally feel the same way where sometimes I wish I could go back as a, as a kid now and, you know, spend every day, you know, learning a new, learning new software on YouTube or, you know, listen to a podcast about something. Cause yeah, it's, it's kind of insane how much interesting and inspiring information we're able to just digest, like, while we're walking down to check the mail or <laughs> driving driving to the uh, to the store or whatever it's kind of crazy. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, we touched on what it is you do, but I am curious uh how it is you got into your career. Sure. So, I think like most people that I guess probably most creatives, I almost said most people that work in sound, but I think it's probably wider than that. It's it's kind of a roundabout path. And so when I was in high school, I played uh, I played drums in a band, in a couple bands, and we did our own recording. So we kind of slowly taught ourselves sort of how to use the recording equipment. Like, obviously, we weren't using it uh, to the level that I am now because I now I'm like, oh, the, the mistakes we made. Yeah. So we, we kind of, you know, pooled our money and bought our own Pro Tools license and things like that and kind of figured out how to record ourselves. And and so I was I've always been really into music and into audio in that sense. And kind of, I was the one who kind of ended up mixing and kind of editing our music together. And I really fell in love with that and found that really fun. And then at some point when I went to college, that transitioned into this love for movies. And so I was a film major. 
And like every other freshman film major, I was like, oh, well, I'm definitely going to be a director. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm going to get out of school and make movies and be famous. And at a certain point along that route in in school, I, um, you know, you kind of start realizing like directing is not as I'm not like the biggest, at least at that time, especially I was not like the biggest people person. I was like, oh, directing is just telling people what to do. Like, I don't know that I really want to do that. So I got into video editing and kind of felt like that was going to be the thing I was going to do. But uh, then in my literally in my last semester of school, I took I had to take one more like practical production class. And the only one available was uh, sound for picture. And I was like, oh, you know, I've, I've done some sound stuff. This might be kind of cool. And it like completely revolutionized how I thought about like what I wanted to do with my life because I was like, how did I not know that this field existed? Because this is like literally everything I like. It's audio. It's doing like weird effects on sounds and using using that to tell a story. And but also, you know, being very heavily involved in movies and like it really did change my life. But then I got out of school and was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I could, if you asked me to write a write a paper on a movie, I could definitely do that really well. <laughs> but like, you know, not sure how I could get paid to do that really, really quickly. So I, I got an internship at a studio and that, that was when it really hit me that like I was kind of shadowing an engineer and he was like, you know, you don't have to, you know, feel free to ask questions. Like that's why you're here as an intern is to kind of learn. And I was like, you know, I really appreciate it. And that's awesome of you, but I have no idea what questions to ask. <laughs> like I don't even know where to start. So that's that's when I kind of look, started looking into going back to school. And um, I went to a school uh, called SAE. It's an audio engineering school that I had, did not know existed and was literally like three blocks from my house. Oh, Wow. So, uh, yeah, I signed up right away and spent the next year going there and obviously learned a lot and and loved, loved going there. That was one of the best, best decisions I ever made for sure. And, and I, I kind of did the freelancing thing for about, well, I was still, I was working retail, I guess, still at that point. And then, um, I ended up getting a job. I got two part-time jobs at the same time doing one was working at the school, which then turned into a full-time job. And I was there for several years, but at the beginning, it was a part-time job there and a part-time job uh, editing audiobooks, which was another a really, really good step for me. Cause it was one of those things where like, it was interesting because like I was saying about editing podcasts, it was like, if the book was really good, it was really fun to do that because I was, after a while you kind of get into that where the editing is kind of, you know, brainless, like you don't even think about it. But so I was almost just listening to an audiobook while my hands were doing this editing thing. <laughs> uh, so when it was an interesting book, it was really fun. And then, yeah, like I said, I worked at the school for, for many years. And while I was there, I was kind of trying to figure out how I could make this jump to being able to do either production or post-production um, audio full time. And, and so it took, took me a long time to kind of figure out and, you know, save up the money. And so I'd have that safety net and, you know, figure out kind of how I wanted to approach it. But I just started working kind of on the weekends, either for free or for, you know, very low pay for, you know, friends projects and things like that. And, and slowly that kind of turned into more paying stuff. And, you know, it, was, it got to a certain point where I was, I was really not enjoying my job at the school anymore. And at the same time, I was like having to turn down mm you know, being able to work on set because I had to, I, it was hard for me to get time off work. And I was like, what, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, it's very clear where, where I'm supposed to be. So, you know, I made, made that jump last spring and um, yeah. And then I've just been kind of, you know, when I first started out, it's just like, you know, find anything that I can get paid for since this is my job now. And uh, you know, slowly that's turned into like working with a lot of the same clients over and over again, which, which is great. And you get to know people and get to know their workflows and what they what they like and what they expect is always kind of really, really fun to uh, to kind of get to that state. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm always picking up new people, but definitely it's it's like that growing kind of group of people that I'm regularly working with, um, whether that be on set or, you know, editing things in the in the on the back end. So 
I guess that's that's kind of how I ended up here. One thing I was going to ask was when you were at that little push-pull point there where you were still working for the school, but realizing then that you were getting uh, opportunities that you were, were not being able to take because of that full-time day job. What did that feel like and how long, these are two questions, I guess, what it felt like, you know, to be in that space and how long did it take you to really realize like, oh, wait, there's, there's an obvious thing here that's going on. Oh man. Yeah. That's a big one. And that's, I'm sure for a lot of people listening, you know, that are, that are already doing the freelance thing. I feel like most people probably go through that and it's really hard. <laughs> uh, as far as how long it was, it was a long time. I mean, probably at least a year that I was really serious about trying to figure out how I could make that kind of transition. And even once I had made up my mind, it was very hard to kind of put it into practice and be like, and, you know, put in my notice mm. and actually go for it. Uh, just cause I've been there for four years and it was a, you know, a job that as much as I'd grown to kind of really dislike it and, and the environment had gotten really kind of toxic. A lot of the people I had really enjoyed working with had left. Like by the time I left, there were, there was only like one person still there mm. that was there when I started. So, but even so it was just so comfortable. Like, you know, you get kind of stuck in that, in that thing. It's that's the golden parachute thing. Right. Right. Where it was like it was it was very safe and my my salary was pretty good and so it was hard to let that go even as much as I was ready to and then uh well, I'm sorry what was the first part of the question yeah sorry the other question the, the <laughs> as a coach I'm never supposed to stack questions so this is <laughs> and as an interviewer well, okay. I started with the second question so I did wrong too it's not great either I was wondering if you could describe what it felt like once you realized it was time to make that decision? Uh, I mean, I guess it, it felt a lot like it did when I actually kind of made the choice, like definitively made the choice and quit and left. <laughs> it's a feeling that most freelancers are probably painfully familiar with, which is this perfect blend of extreme excitement and like terror. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was super excited because it was like, this is what I went to school with. Like I never planned to like be working at the school or you know, anything like that. I always wanted to be like working for myself and doing creative work and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so that was super exciting to really realize it's kind of looking like this is a real possibility. Like I think I could actually make a living out of this. People like the work that I, I do and I've, I've had a good experience with most of the stuff I've done, you know, in my free time working up to that. So it was really exciting in that sense. But then at the same time, you know, kind of like I was saying is why it took me so long. It's, it's a really scary prospect. You know, when I when I quit my day job, I had a, a pretty good safety net as, in terms of you know savings and things like we were we were totally prepared for me to not make money for several months mm -hmm. and you know that we'd be fine. And even so, it was still like it wasn't really it wasn't even the money that was really scary to me. Although that was obviously a part of it. You know, of course, it, you don't want to be put in a situation where coming up with rent money is difficult. But really, for me, it was like this. I guess it's almost like a pride thing. The more I, I'm thinking about it now, though, I never thought about it that way. And like. I, I really didn't want to quit and then figure out six months later that I had to come back or that I had to find another retail job or something like that. That would have just totally shattered me. And I guess it still could happen. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that was just so scary to me to take this big jump and to be, you know, cause obviously the kind of advice you get when you're at that kind of tipping point and, you know, I was obviously talking to my family and friends about it. Do you guys think this is the right decision? And most people were really supportive about it, but you know, everybody has got that little nagging question. They're like, you know, how long can you go without making a profit or like how long do you think you'll really be able to do just that and pay your bills and stuff? And they mean well, and there's good questions, but those are always kind of nagging in the back of your head. And like, it's like, I really don't want to be this guy who's like, 
you know, screw all this. Like all this nine to five thing is for losers. Like right. I'm doing this freelance thing and then, ha- and then have to go back to it. Like six months down the road would have just been humiliating. <laughs> I never really thought about it that way, but I think that's probably the thing that scared me the most. If I'm honest, is just kind of the thought that I might not succeed and that I'd have to, you know, give up that dream and go back to doing something that I was not very happy doing. Yeah. And it's so much easier said than done. You know, I think there's a message that we get all the time and these things that are just like, follow your dreams. Well, sure. We all want to follow our dreams. Follow your dreams with an asterisk. It's going to be riddled with anxiety. And when I first um, made that leap, I was working for somebody that I really, well, it was a transition of several years, but I was working for somebody who I loved at a place that I loved. But then I realized, oh, I love this place and I love my employer, but I am miserable. (laughs) So something's up and it took several years and a couple of different false starts or not false starts, but, you know, just different. I tried on a few different hats until I got into the coaching. I think it's just so much more, yeah, it's so much more um, emotionally complicated than just saying, you know, and then just take that leap because that leap is going to, who knows where it could lead to. (laughs) But yeah. uh, And, you know, even hearing you say like, well, we had a good safety net. I, you know, I, was covered for a few months, you know, to me, that's like a few months, you know, like jobs could take years (laughs) to manifest, but you know, there's all sorts of other things too, like how long you've already been working how many connections you have, um, what's your ability to, or your comfort level in making those, uh, you know, reaching out and, and saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing now full time. Do you have projects or do you know people that do? And and that's another thing that's really an important part of it is when you're working freelance or working for yourself is that you need to get really comfortable in asking for help or ask or just letting people know what the heck it is you're doing. Yeah, the, the marketing and networking thing was something I had to learn real fast. Uh, and it's something that, you know, that's it's one of the weird other weird things about being a freelancer is like you do it because like you know, in my case, I love audio and I love editing and I love being on set and that kind of stuff. I do not love like sending emails, like begging for work, and, like, <laughs> you know, going to networking events. Like I don't think anybody loves, very few people love that kind of thing. I think at, at least in my experience, but that's something that you have to like go be as just as passionate about that as you do the actual creative work that you want to do. And that's, that's always kind of a challenge and kind of interesting. Yeah. And I think speaking about your passion for doing what it is you do, it is it is easy to talk about things you're passionate and excited about. So that kind of sells itself in a way. Obviously, you have skills that people want to check out and go, oh, yes, he's also skilled and he's he's a nice person and easy to get along with and he's prompt and reliable. I mean, those are all things, you know, but I think that the thing that makes that leap a little bit easier to work on something like that and tell people about it is when you just, you know, it's something that you just love doing. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And it's, you know, like everything else with doing freelance, it's, it's a lot of ups and downs where like you do have those moments where like you're not getting a lot of work or, or maybe you get some 
critical feedback about something you worked on and you get kind of that little little blow to your confidence and that kind of imposter syndrome kind of creeps back in but then you have those other moments where like all the where you're in one of those modes and you turn something in and I'm like I hope this is the kind of the quality they were expecting like I hope this is up to par with what they're looking for and then they come back with like you know glowing praise and then it's like oh that's right I forgot like I do know what I'm doing and I'm, I'm pretty good at it and you know so it is one of those things I've, I've definitely found myself going through those ups and downs where I'll have a period when uh, when I feel very, very confident about what I'm doing. And then as work kind of dies down or for whatever reason, like it kind of dips down a little bit, you know, it's always kind of ebbing and flowing a little bit. So sure. I guess in my experience, I've just found you just have to be kind of at least self-aware of that. At, at the very least, even when you're having those kind of imposter syndrome moments, you know, look back to those uh, those times when things were going really well and be like, nothing's changed. Like, you know, I'm still... I'm still the skilled and talented person that I was, you know, two months ago. That one, that one comment, you know, doesn't mean I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing or something like that. Right. That's actually, you know, I didn't think about it, but that's, um, I started keeping like a career journal about a year before I started freelancing full-time where I just tried to write down at least one thing every day that I was doing to like get closer to doing what I wanted to do full-time. And I've kept up with it and just kind of, you know, just write down stuff that I worked on or lessons that I learned as far as, you know, job related stuff. And that's been really helpful because I can kind of look back in those times and be like, oh, yeah, look like look at this back in January or whatever, when this went really, really well. And I was really pleasantly surprised with how much they liked this work or, or you know, whatever. It kind of helps me be a little bit more self-aware about how those things kind of change every time and that it's not, you know, one little setback isn't the end of the world. Yeah. And I, and I love that you also threw in there lessons that I've learned because that's also a great way of framing the times where you maybe didn't, you know, maybe fell a little short of your own expectations or learned mm-hmm. something new. It's like, oh, I got to learn here. That combination of celebrating and reminding yourself of a job well done and lessons learned is just, yeah, it's a really thoughtful, mindful way of of keeping track. That's such a good idea. I love it. Super good idea. Yeah, that's been very helpful for me, for sure. Well, I think it's about time we wrap up today. It's been so awesome just talking with you about all this. I feel like I've just gotten to know you even better. But for folks out there who are interested in connecting up with you regarding anything from audio engineering to future podcast projects or anything like that, where can folks connect with you? So all, all that's kind of centralized on my, my website, the, which is uh, harperwharris.com. Um, so that's got, you know, samples of stuff I've worked on and contact links and the podcast that I work on and the podcast that I'm co-host on and stuff like that. Um, so that's, that's probably the easiest place. But then uh, I guess specifically the two podcasts that I was on, uh, The Thing Minute is still on thethingminute.com. Um, so that, that podcast is over with the exception of maybe some some special episodes that I keep putting <laughs> off trying to figure out how to do. Um, so that, you know, I may have some more at some point soon. But yeah, thethingminute.com and then uh, geekrex.com is the other one I've, I've been on for, for many years that uh, we, we put out at least one or two episodes a month about um, geek-related uh, movies and video games and TV shows and comics and things like that. So uh, yeah. And um, yeah, for those who, you know, this is a fairly new podcast. So just as a reminder, if you look in the show notes, you know, I'll have links to those. And on most phones or other devices, those links will be live. So you'll be able to just click right on through. And if not, if they're not clickable, for some reason, you can just go to vibrantvisionaries.com, which is where this podcast lives. And at vibrantvisionaries.com, you can find all of the 
episodes and show links and um, you can subscribe so that you can get these right to your devices quite easily. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Harper. It was so great to talk with you and, and thanks for taking the time to share a little bit about your vibrant visionary world. Yeah, absolutely. This was really, really fun. I, f- I feel like I've kind of figured out some uh, some of the things that I'm doing and why I'm doing them. Awesome. <laughs> just, just kind of verbalizing them has definitely been really interesting even for me. So yeah, I really appreciate it. This was really fun. Cool. And uh, yeah, um, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. Hey everybody, this is Heidi Bennett. You've just enjoyed an awesome conversation between me and Harper W. Harris. And just before releasing this episode, I called out to Harper again and asked him to pop back on with me for just a couple of minutes to let everybody know what he has been up to lately so that everything's really current to September of 2018. So welcome back, Harper. (laughs) Feels like no time has passed at all. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's just as if it was just yesterday, but it was actually a couple of months back that we recorded uh, the episode. (laughs) So um, I noticed on Twitter there was some activity going on and things that you were kind of shouting out and sharing. So why don't you let us know what you are up to lately? Sure. Um, So there's a couple of kind of exciting things that have happened probably since the last time we spoke. But um, the big one is that one of the movies, the uh, feature films that I worked on last year um, or earlier this year, rather, uh, Summer 03, just got a trailer, got posted and is uh, has a theatrical release at the end of September. And this is a movie I, I got a chance to see it back at the Atlanta Film Festival back in March. You know, I hadn't really heard a whole lot about it since then. So I was I was hoping this would happen. But yeah, so it'll be out in theaters on um, September 28th. It's a, a coming-of-age uh, female-led teen comedy that is super hilarious and very heartfelt. And um, I didn't have anything to do with working with it on set. I, I was the uh, sound effects editor, so I added all the door slams and car noises. Uh, anytime somebody sets down a cup, that's that's your boy Harper. Um <laughs> <laughs> Is that separate from being a Foley artist? It is, actually. And I do know the Foley artist, uh, Matt Schultz, that worked on the movie, too. He's he's awesome. But um, yeah, so Foley is like anything that's performance-based. So that's any sound effect where you're trying to recreate the actions of the actor. And the sound effects editing, separate from that, um, like when when they called me to do the job, it was... um, I was doing the what they're called hard effects. So they're basically just every effect that's not performed. So it's it's something that like you look at the screen and you can see it happening. So for example, the movie they ride they ride bikes a lot. So there I had to add a lot of like bike sound like bike gear sounds and like uh police sirens and you know if somebody uh throws something at a wall then I, you know I had to add in the sound for that. That kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah, but it's a um uh, it, it's a kind of movie that even if I had nothing to do with it, I would still wholeheartedly recommend it. I know that's hard to believe coming from somebody who's invested in it, but it's a fantastic movie. Um, and it's really cool too, just because uh, it's female led, female director and writer. So it it was really cool to be a part of something something like that that I I really I was very proud to get behind it, and I'm I'm super super happy with how it turned out. So I can't wait to uh, to see it in theaters again. Yeah, I'm so glad that you tweeted about it because I think I think I saw Paul Shear mention something yeah. about it, but he's one of those people who has 
a lot of projects going on, so I don't always notice. But then when I saw you post about it and saw the lead, Joey King, and then mm-hmm. Andrea Savage, June Squibb, and Paul Shear, I was like, oh, wow, this looks really... Uh, the cast is so good. Yeah, exciting. They're so, so good. They're, uh, Andrea Savage and Joey King especially are hysterically funny. They're so good in this. Sweet. So yeah, I'll, I'll share a link to that trailer. And I did think it looked fantastic. So yeah. And speaking of fantastic and speaking of festivals. So this is a first time for me as a podcaster, I decided to apply for a press badge for Fantastic Fest in Austin this month. And I just found out today that I got approved for that press badge. Awesome. <laughs> so this will be my first time doing something like this. I've been, uh, you know, a performer at festivals on stage and stuff like that. But to be able to go in and do all sorts of, um, I don't know, get some inside access, I guess this will be new for me. So I'll let you guys know what happens. It's taking place September 20th through the 27th. And um, it'll be my first time going to Austin also. So it'll be a lot of firsts for me so do you know any of the the movies that are premiering at the festival i haven't actually looked into this year's you know i kind of blew through what was even going on but i know that the opening movie is going to be the new halloween reboot oh that's awesome that's pretty jamie lee curtis will be at that so wow okay now i'm officially like super jealous (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) so yeah i'll uh, follow up with everybody after that and then um you know, I should be getting some interesting podcast episodes out of it too. So killer. That's great. Yeah. So what else is going on with you besides summer? Oh, three. Sure. Um, yeah, I had two other little things to mention. Um, and that's both, uh, are through this company U 42. That's, uh, they're putting together a, uh, streaming platform and they're creating, um, original content for it. So, uh, last year, we finished working on a, a feature movie that I probably talked about in the main podcast. Um, I can't remember, but uh, Dead by Midnight, which was a horror anthology movie, mm-hmm. which was a blast to make and, and turned out really great and played at the Atlanta Film Festival as well. Yeah, both the things with them. Uh, so the one is they just announced that we got greenlit to do Dead by Midnight 2. So we're going to be filming that, uh, I believe we're starting in like January, maybe, or maybe even earlier than that. Mm-hmm. So there, the uh, some buddies of mine are already writing that, and and the ideas they've got, and and uh, we've got some new directors coming in for some of the anthology segments. So that's really exciting. And then the other one that's also through U42 is uh, a sitcom series that I'm working on with uh, with same people that did Dead by Midnight. So it's a uh, sitcom called Hashtag Pretty Funny. Uh, it's about four four women who live together in Atlanta, and uh, they're all kind of. You know, it's kind of kind of the typical like they're in their 20s and trying to kind of figure out what their careers are. So there's one woman who's uh, trying to be a comedian and one who wants to be um, a broadcast journalist and one who's trying to be an actress and one who's like kind of an up and coming podcaster who may be getting her own radio show. So it's really, really funny. And uh, the cast is awesome. We just started filming last weekend and the first couple of days went really well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure when that's coming out. I know the U42 app is supposed to launch at the beginning of September. Cool. And then uh, hopefully the the plan, I think for now, is to have the original, the first Dead by Midnight movie um, split into those individual episodes on on the app by Halloween, I think. So um, hopefully people will be able to experience Dead by Midnight in the next month or two. 
Sweet. Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. So just as a reminder, I will have links to all of this stuff in the show notes. And then if you're not following us on Twitter, you know, that's another good place to just keep an eye out for when we throw new and exciting news out. So for me, it's Vibrant VizCast. It's at Vibrant VizCast on Twitter. And then Harper, you're on Twitter too, right? I am a Harper W. Harris. Of course, you're on Twitter because that's where I found out about Summer 03. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, oh, and so one more thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up our little mini addendum today was that you and I and Molly Balin, we all got together and had kind of a summer movie special episode of our podcasts. And that was the three of us saw the 1978, I think that sounds right, right. uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So we all watched it and then had a podcast that we released on Cabin Minute Cast. And then um, did you release it on yours as well? I did. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah, if anybody wants to listen to that, I'll share the link as well for that. That was fun. I really enjoyed catching up with you by watching a movie. Yeah, that was a blast. And and we got to really dig into just how attractive Donald Sutherland is. Yes. Or was. <laughs> <laughs> we all crushed out on 1970s era, um, curly topped. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Donald Sutherland. <laughs> Well, cool. I think I will wrap this up again. Thanks for popping back on and uh, congratulations on all these successful uh, projects. That's really, really exciting. Ah, thanks so much. I, I'm I'm super jealous of your Fantastic Fest thing. I'm, I'm I cannot wait to hear how that goes because that's that's a festival that's way high up on my list of of ones to try and make it to in the next couple of years. So I'm I'm excited to hear how it goes. Cool. Yeah, I will uh, keep you and everybody else informed on that. All right, everybody, have a great one, and we'll see you for the next Vibrant Visionaries. Thanks for listening to another episode of Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you would like to keep the conversation going, come check out my Patreon page. It's a sanctuary for fellow multi-creatives to come hang out and share what your projects are. See behind the scenes stuff that I'm sharing related to the process of doing this podcast. And I'll be sharing things that help my clients succeed in their many multi creative endeavors. You can find a link right in our show notes to the Patreon page and also to vibrantvisionaries.com. And you can also find links that were talked about on the podcast itself. All right. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.